Welcome everyone. Welcome to another astral interview. And here with me, I have a new and good and amazing friend, Carol Wojniak. We just met like I don't know a month or so ago, and like I feel like I've known her forever. And exactly. Such a beautiful, beautiful connection. I'm so honored to be interviewing her right now. So thank you for joining us, Carol. We really, really love having you with us. Thanks. This is going to be fun, and I'm looking forward to it. And it's so true. It's like we're soul sisters. <laughs> We've known each other forever. Oh, and I love that, you know. <laughs> yeah. When it happens, it's just like that, right? Yeah. Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Carol. Let's start with let's start with where you grew up just get an idea of your childhood and and your past okay so um i'm a contractor's daughter i was born and raised in the chicagoland area in the suburbs just on the across the fence of o'hare airport um my dad was a fourth largest contractor in chicago at the time growing up and he thought he was in the best of all worlds we lived next to a forest preserve the golf course and he had private planes when I was little. Wow. And so, so you got you had to be around all this well what felt rich anyways, private <laughs> planes. And so he wanted to be a commercial pilot, but they weren't paying anything and he had too many kids. <laughs> <laughs> so um so the airport went away when O'Hare got big and um so the private planes got sold. But um <laughs> growing up with brothers I ended up um, enjoying Boy Scouts more than the Girl Scouts because they oh, were Boy God. Scouts leaders, right? <laughs> you know, and so I got to have lots of really cool experiences. Um, I, growing up, I really didn't have a formal, you know, like a church education kind of thing. They said, if you want to go to church, it's over there. But most of the time, I spent my time in the woods. We had, he made me a wow. boat a boat and I would I would look at nature I would be with nature um and so I would take the riding lawnmower and my boat I would turn it over because it had wheels on and I'd take it across the street to the how old were you oh I was about eight eight or nine and an eight-year-old with her own boat like come on yeah (laughs) so um and I had my favorite tree to climb and when my mom, at the, when I was 13, my mom said I couldn't wrestle with the boys anymore. Well, <laughs> I don't understand. That's how you grow up. You're only, you know. But right. so, anyways, I had a unique, uh, a unique situation. That's for sure. And so we did a lot of things. We had boats, mini bikes, go karts, because we're an unincorporated area. So, right. Um, you know, fishing, all that sort of stuff. Wow, so you had a fun little childhood then. I had a lot of really cool experiences. And um, and we were always doing projects around the house. My dad was always doing something because, you know, a contractor can never leave anything alone. <laughs> so. Yeah. So what about you? As, as somebody growing up in nature like that, did you have metaphysical experiences or metaphysical that's, reality in your life? That's where, yeah, because that's... I didn't realize that that's where my development happened, right? My classroom was the woods. And I had a a knowingness when I was really little. Um, And 
to the extent where the, my parents didn't know what to do with me because I would mm. speak something. And and the one time uh, really kind of scared me. I, I told my folks we were up at Washington Island uh, in Wisconsin. And I said, we can't go home. There's something bad's going to happen. They're going, yeah, right. They're just, you know, <laughs> go away, kid, kind of thing. And sure enough, we pull in the driveway. My little brother, I was about five. He says, can I go play with the neighbor? goes over to the neighbor's house and sure enough all of a sudden he's on fire and he's screaming and he what? runs to the ditch mm -hmm. he had put a smoke bomb in his back pocket and lit it and burned burned a huge chunk oh. out of his buttocks oh my god and um and that's when i I shut down because I didn't have anybody to guide me and I didn't know right. what to do with that right. and that really scared me because I knew too much Right. Uh, right. And, and so, so how did that make you feel? Or what kind of relationship did you have with your brother in the first place? Oh, super thing? close to him. Uh, super, super close to him. He's like my best friend. And so when that happened then, like that whole summer, because he had skin grafts and stuff, he couldn't go on the sun. He couldn't right. go swimming and stuff. So, um, so I just stayed in the house and I played with him and, you know. Right. We stayed close that way, and um, yeah, so it was really an interesting experience. Right. Uh, having knowingness, but right. having people around you that they, they don't want to. Yeah, they did not want to hear what I had to say. Uh, describe knowingness. Describe knowingness. Is it like just boom something shows up in your in your mind or your reality that like okay this is going to happen now and i know it kind of thing yeah or, and that uh, right there's something in my in my sense of my beingness that goes i just know that this is either going well or this is not going well if i should pull back but right. i use you know um I use techniques for myself. I just use my finger. I use kinesiology. And right. I, for example, I was trying to find my daughter's phone yesterday. So I'm walking around the house. Is it here? Is it here? It's in the bedroom. Could not find it. My husband and I stripped the whole bedroom down. And my husband, Phil, he goes in there and he puts his hand on the bed frame as he's leaning down. And sure enough, that phone slid between the yeah. mattress box. Uh -huh. And the frame, we would have never found it. Right. But the strength, you know, my my testing it kept saying it's in here. I just couldn't find it. And so it was right. fine. That's right. that kind of thing. But I use it for everything. And, I teach and that. It, and, it, and it takes it takes trust in that, right? Yes. Yeah. Like implicit trust. Like it doesn't matter what it says. That's what it is. Right? That's, yeah. And your higher self isn't going to lie to you right it's it's there for a reason and so when it's interesting when i get a um kind of like a roadblock it doesn't mean no it just means not yet right there's something in the works some i've learned enough to know that um there's yeah. a choreograph going and it's going yeah. to be better than i thought right wow so um yeah okay so we, so we, so we talked about your childhood Yes. Now let's move move along. Like, okay, so what about your adolescence and your and your teens and your and your schooling and all that? What did you do? 
So there, I had a bump in the road in third grade, I got to tell you about, because that really is the formulation. So okay. in third grade, the last day of school, teacher calls me and two other kids up to the front of the class. I'm thinking I get my report card. <laughs> and she t has this look at the students and she starts to tell the st my fellow students that they're never allowed to talk to me again, that I had no what? business being in this in this classroom. And wow. that I was to leave the building immediately because I wasn't to associate with the fourth graders because she was flunking me for third grade. Wow. And um, it's one thing to be flunking you, but to be treat you that way, that's another yes. thing. Yeah. So that was a catalyst that has projected me towards what I'm, what I'm doing today. Um, of course, my mother had a whole different viewpoint of this lady's behavior. Right. But it knocked my confidence, shook it right. really bad. So she had me tested at um, different schools, and there was a feeder school for Northwestern, a college preparatory elementary school, and I passed the test, and I was shocked that I did. But I did the next year at this at this school, and my teacher, Miss Voorhees, she was warm and loving. And since I, my dad was building a building at Northwestern, it was easy for us to get back and forth right. um, and me to attend. So anyways, but there were 18 other students in my, in my class, but they were international students. Yeah. So here this teacher is shrinking me into, you know, that I, I shouldn't build friendships, right? limitating right. thoughts and here I get into another a change environments a change associations and the and world becomes my friendship yeah a different in a different worldview and 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 you're going to grow and sort of students around you as a result yes what, what a difference a teacher makes eh? yeah absolutely and just changing environments in your association does right because if you're around limitating thinkers, run fast. <laughs> what if limiting thinkers might be your parents? Yeah, they could think, oh my God. It, well, you're usually, it's so true. Because <laughs> that might work. I'm, you know, to a lot, biggest that I had these moments. But. If you look at yourself and you go, if I'm, if you're stuck somewhere and you're wondering, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so that's actually how I started to become, I build friendships. And right. so that's how I became a master connector. My connection started in the third and fourth grade. So when I met Carol, she told me, I, I, she told me she was a master connector. And those of you who know me, you know, I used to run a store called Astral Connections. So, so. I wanted to know what a master connector was because, you know, we might have something we want to do together and collaborate, <laughs> right? Master connections, master connector. So tell us, Carol, what's a master connector? Okay. So first and foremost, you go to the universe. You say to the universe, you go, hi, I'm Carol Wachniak, and I'm looking forward to meeting my new friend. Aww. And so then... You let the universe start to bring people to you. You attract those in which you were supposed to be attracted to. Um, and in that, 
what I've done is I build friendships first. Then if there's some kind of business connection or whatever, when I know that I know the person, I know that I can refer that person to yeah. whomever for the right reasons Absolutely. with the right intention. So that's that's my goal is to build friendships. Absolutely. And yeah, that, I'm a lot like that explains that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why we got along so well. I want, I want, I want friends. I don't want business connections as much as I want friends. And then, yeah, absolutely. If something, if we can share something and help each other in some way, somehow, by all means. But first, yeah, I want to make that soul-to-soul -soul connection because yep. ultimately, the person in front of you is you, and you are that person. So you're getting to know that person as you getting to know yourself more. Right. Right, because if there's an attribute that you see in somebody, it's a reflection to your back to yourself that that attribute is there. <laughs> now that could be good and bad depending on your attitude. So wait a minute, Sam. What about these negative people we're around? Does that mean I, if I'm seeing negative around me, there's negative? That means you have to clear it out. So you take take the rubber, <laughs> take the do the ho pono pono. Right. <laughs> you take the eraser and rub it out. You know. But so, so for, but those of, for those of, of the people watching who don't know what Ho'oponopono is, I mean, wow, what what does Ho'oponopono mean? So, so <laughs> Dr. Hugh Len, he he was trained. He was from Hawaii and he was trained by a master, um, a wise man or, you know, I forgot exactly who he calls him, but he's a spiritual person. And Ho'opono means... I love you. Forgive me. Thank you. And it's clearing, clearing, yeah. yeah, clearing out of yourself. Yeah. If there's something showing up that's disruptive or whatever, then since we are self creators and we right. are 100% responsible, then you take that 100% responsibility and you clear that out. So if something comes your, across your table, and you would feel better if it wasn't there, right. then it would be a good idea to <laughs> clear it off of you. <laughs> right. So he and, did and that. And sorry, sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Isn't that energetically raising in, in vibe yes. and frequency? Of, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Yeah. So you have gratitude. Many you have love. Yes, yes. So you're raising yourself in your, in your vibe and you're moving away from the negative to the positive. Isn't that correct right. too? Yeah, it is. And by him doing that, now he never saw patients. You know, he was over the the crisis psych unit uh, with the yeah. highly criminal people and, and all yeah. that. But he would just, you know, clear it out of him over their charts. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and actually the facility ended up closing, what, two years? I think it was two years, something like that, after right. he started doing that. And... Only two people stayed in prison. Everybody else was released. And they were healthy and they were back into the world. So there's some wisdom in that. Absolutely. Can you imagine if all everyone in all these institutions said that? Yeah. How our, how our humanity would change? Or just even with what's going on in the everyday news, the community, yeah. the disruption. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so there's... 
So the thing behind that is also intent though, right? Like yes. it, it's, yeah. it's a huge part of it. Like you can't just say the words, you have to really intent with feeling what you're saying, correct? Right, right. Yes, you're, in, you're completely becoming or being it. Right. You're being that forgiveness, you're being, so, so you're, you're owning all of it. So everyone seems to have some kind of trials and tribulations in their lives that bring them to a certain knowingness. I mean, we talked about you and your knowingness in your childhood, right? but uh, people tend to have these tribulations in their lives. Is there any that you can think of that you've had that, that really took you to the next level that opened up certain channels for you that weren't open before? Well, okay. you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> I don't. So in third grade, I had been sexually assaulted. Oh, so no. that was a double whammy. Um, when I but was. Don't tell me by a teacher. No, no. Okay. I, it was somebody that we knew in the, okay. you know, family, family member that we knew. But um, when I was in my early 20s, um, I lost five female family members in two years. And then my brother was missing and murdered and dismembered. And so those, that was really the thing that, that took me where I just, I had to figure it out because I then became the matriarch. When my mother passed away, she was in the group of those women. So it was my mother-in-law, my grandmother, all the, um, so when they had all passed, um, my mother was my rock. She, right. you know, and then all of a sudden she dies. We didn't have a funeral because my dad was so upset. So he put her onto the side. So we didn't have any closure. My brother and sis sister-in-law separated within two days. Then I started raising his kids. I was pregnant. My bag of water's ruptured. So it was crazy because um, I was only six months pregnant at the time. I was on bed rest. Right. So I found wonderful, godly women who came alongside me. And they helped me. Like these women I had never met before from La Leche League. Every single day, they would bring me lunch and dinner because I was 100% bed rest. And some of them would take my kids and watch them because I couldn't get up. I was already four centimeters with an open bag and had to take it. The doctor had me at home because he didn't want me to have a secondary infection from the hospital. Right. So these women, I know they help keep that pregnancy going because of their love and care. And I found other women who really that golden thread, a mother's prayer is never wasted. Right. And I know that uh, my mom had prayed, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So that to me, and when I find people, and I'm going to share this too, okay. who have your energy, you're very loving and caring and you listen and you're compassionate and all that. You're very nurturing. To me, it's a, it just reminds me that that prayer is still working. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, why do you want to make me cry? It's a truth. But it's it's a real truth. And and I, I have to share my forgiveness lesson. Okay. Because okay, I think this is important. Well, well, the fact is that I'm not, you know, giving light to I'm giving light to your story. Right. I'm not I'm not um, considering it light or it's, you know, insignificant yes. in that no. sense. But I do want to say many people go gone through what you've gone through and not, and not even talked about it. And it's in right. here somewhere. Right. 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 For those people, because at least you were able to talk about it, move through it, move forward with it. But what about those people that still have it in, in their heart and haven't ever let it go? Let's 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 talk to them right now. What what would you say to them? I so for 30 some years, 39 years, I've been in the birth world, right? I'm a birth worker um, doing doula work, midwifery. And you know how you see a pregnant woman and you and you see the, the bubble and you know there's a baby behind there? Our souls are just behind the bubble. They yeah. never go away. Right. So when you think of that loved one, they are there. They are in that pregnant state with you. I, I will call it that. Oh, right. So they're thinking of you and you're thinking of them because that connection didn't go away. The physical right. body might have gone away, but the connection never goes away. Those right. memories are are permanent. Right, right. And it's important. And memories last forever. So yeah. the goal in goal for me as working with these moms, because we had an unwed mom's ministry in our home and stuff. If memories last forever, then let me make it the best. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I think a lot of times when we're grieving and we didn't get to say um, our goodbyes or we didn't get to complete something, I give an assignment to, I've been doing this for 40 years, telling this is the assignment and if anyone's listening and you want to do it if you have a loved one or you have someone that you're not in communication with take your opposite hand and write a letter to them with your opposite hand not the one you normally write with right. so me I'm a righty so I would write with my left hand and write right. them a letter of what you want to say then right. after that letter is complete still with your opposite hand write a letter back in response and how you think they would respond or how you would want them to respond to you right because what happens is it opens a whole new channel it's a whole new uh, neural pathway okay and you get the real conversation so it's very me. significant so tell me then carol how do you know about these neural pathways? Because I've had to do it myself. Okay. And when you do do it, it's the truth. Because 
this way when you normally write you have de you have developed neural pathways that block your communication to your higher self right when you use your opposite hand you don't have that right and if you look at the handwriting you can also see what age you are writing yeah. at right so um and that's a significant thing and so i had a, a one mom who two days before she delivered her first baby her dad died oh, years later two years later she was pregnant with her second baby two days before her baby was due her mother died oh no so she did not want to go into labor she was having contractions but she was fighting it and so I told her to write letters and there's something else I do, I do I do these different types of assists so just imagine a whole box of straws right and so one of my assists too is just to ask her you know may I help you and then she takes the straw and then says yes we might go through the whole box of straws but what happens by doing that, that a sense of trust and allowing processes. And so I did the that as an example with her. And then I had her write the letters to her parents. And what happened was such a love letter that responded. Wow. And so, you know, then she but proceeded... So you can now share this gift that you that you yes. use yourself with others and see yes. transformation, and that's so that's such a big gift you're giving everyone. Yeah, it's it's really quite special. And so, I used to do in my childbirth classes ask these questions. I had like thirty five words, and I would say you can only put plus or minus, and I would say you know hospital, dad, blood, you know doctor, whatever. And if they had all pluses, I knew I had work to do. Or if I had all negative, I knew I had work to do. If they were mid the road, kind of an equal amount, I knew that they didn't have trauma. Right. But the other oh. ones, there was trauma of some sort. And nurturing that, because you don't want to put somebody into a stressful situation that would trigger trauma. Right. And there's nothing more vulnerable for a woman obviously is to be on the table delivering um, and so yeah what made you decide to be a doula or a midwife because where how did that come to be well with with my first daughter she was a frank breach um, and what luckily that means she came butt first with her legs up on her shoulders and her feet up by her neck. Oh my and God. so she was, and I had a doctor who was an older doctor who breached deliveries was a normal, but in the seventies, that's when they started all the C-sections. Right. Anybody was a breach, there was a C-section. Luckily enough, she happened to be one of my easier births. But with my son, I busted my tailbone then with my second son, I busted my tailbone. Oh, my God. So with my third, I was trying to find a doctor who would allow me to be on my hands and knees or deliver in a different position. And so 
I happened to meet this Bradley teacher in church. And she also was an, um, a midwifery assistant. So Cindy introduced me to uh, Linda. She's a certified nurse midwife here in the Chicagoland area. And I thought if I could deliver on my hands and knees, I won't touch my tailbone. Right. right? And right. I couldn't get any of the hospitals to allow me amazing, to do that. It's amazing for you to even think of that as a possibility for yourself, right? Yeah. yeah. I had to figure something out because it was going to hurt otherwise. And I'd already, right. I broke my tailbone at age 13. So I've already got three down, right. you know? Right. And so I know recovery is very slow. And every time you sit down, you break it again. Right. So, um, so anyway, so I, so I decided to have a home birth and... I knew once my knees started to shake that I had an hour before I delivered. And oh so delivered delivered at home. Right. In the shower, I went, Yahoo! <laughs> Just, <laughs> I, I accomplished that. And it was really cool because in the morning, I was sitting in the rocking chair in the living room and the kids came out of, out of the bedroom you know, just normal, everyday, yeah. where's mom? Nothing changed. And I thought, this is the way to go. That's when I wow. decided to become a, a Bradley teacher. And then that's and what is Bradley? What is Bradley? Bradley is a, is a, a method. It's a technology, uh, an educational program um, that teaches women how to do more of a natural childbirth, you know. Wow. Nice. And it's at educating the consumer because being an informed consumer is more empowering than info than just being a good patient you don't want to be just a good patient you want I to know a, I, had a dream, I had a dream not so long ago about having a baby and there was nobody around just my belly getting bigger and bigger and it was really fun <laughs> that means something new is coming into your life you know that I guess so that's what I keep getting told. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe it's a new Facebook because my Facebook was just hacked. <laughs> oh, yeah. New energy for sure for that Facebook account. But uh, yes, so that's how I started. And then um, I had an experience when I was younger with my mom. She was a volunteer at an orphanage. Okay. She would go and pick the babies up at the hospital. Then they would come and stay at our house until the social worker or the nurse would come and pick them up and take them to the new birth mom. Right. So when I was at the hospital with my mom picking up this one baby, this nurse was really mean to this baby. And he had oh. a piece of tape on his back and a number. And she ripped that off. Well, when she ripped that off, she ripped the skin. And the baby's screaming and bleeding. And back then there were car seats. So I was holding them in my arms. And I I thought to myself, no baby should go through that. And this mother wouldn't have released this baby if she knew this was what going to happen to him. Right. So I thought to myself, I wasn't, you know what, maybe 10 or 11, something like that. Um, so here I am now as a childhood educator. And I have unwed moms coming to the classes. Right. And all of that drama and the emotions that go with it and thinking that these women only had three days to make a decision wasn't wasn't right. That right. That doesn't seem right. Yeah. So Not I let right. 
it's not right. So what we started doing was letting these moms come and stay at our home before yeah. or during and sometimes they'd stay up to three weeks later. But guess what happened after baby was born and everything was settled and, you know, people started to look at the baby and all that. All but two babies were adopted out. And the one yeah. mom became her daughter's babysitter and godmother. Yeah. And she had a full scholarship to Northwestern. And yeah. the other mom had an open adoption where it was letters and things. Um, well, I want to adopt, but I'd rather, much rather have the child with their own mom than, than adopt and, and give right. that, you know. Sometimes it, it just, it has to be, you know, sometimes it just has to be. Yeah. But at least give a choice. Give yeah. a choice and then allow some of the bonding time so yeah. that if there is a conversation at some point later on in life, then it's a different energy. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, absolutely it makes sense. So because because really, I mean, the mom and the child are bonded already. So having that experience with their own child, there's I can't imagine any way a mom would let her child go. I mean, unless if there was dire dire necessities, right? Right. right. And um and you've already proven that with your little experiment there. Yeah, and it, you know, so I got, um, this year, earlier, or last year, I should say, I got a um, a college graduation picture of one of the girls um, that had been through our home, and the oldest one, the very first little girl that came through our, our home, um, she is 36 years old now. Wow. And she wow. lives in Seattle now and stuff. Really, really nice. But so, so let me. It's very, very fulfilling for you to, to know that and to have that yeah. experience and the, and the story and the future story as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So the lessons for me about birthing was also a gift for me for forgiveness. Okay. So with my with my brother who was missing we couldn't locate him and then he was found by some surveyors his hand was sticking up in a shallow grave um what? yeah he was he was dismembered and uh so i was trying to how old was he he was in his 30s and which brother was this my youngest the, the one, one, the one that, that you're really yeah. close to whose butt got. Yeah, yeah. And, I, yeah. you know, it's interesting because. It's I, interesting that your brother's butt got well, burnt. Yeah. Burnt. And then your baby comes out of your butt first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's with all these butts in your life? <laughs> <laughs> I know. But, you know, I, I felt there was something wrong I just couldn't place it um but I felt like my brother was calling me and yeah. energetically he was I just didn't, didn't, didn't I didn't know the situation right. and um so I was thinking of the the gentleman who had murdered him I learned a lot about murders and death and homicides oh, because 
when you have somebody who just shoots somebody, they have no emotion to them. It's just, it's like a job It's or whatever. But when you have somebody who does a lot of trauma, there's somebody who knows you personally. And so I thought to myself, well, when it you took say- a lot when you tell me that somebody dismembered somebody and all that kind of stuff, that's not just, that's like, no. you got to be a really evil person to do that. Or we, really, or really, really pissed off at somebody to do that, I guess, is the other one. But, we, uh, I, and, and, and nothing justifies it, of course, on no. any level. Um, no. But but wonder what goes through someone's mind when they do something like that. So this is what I had to come to the conclusion because I couldn't allow that person to take me with him. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I was thinking about it. I thought to myself, when this gentleman was born, when he was just a couple minutes old, right? he had no thought or no inclination to cause anybody harm. So here he is now as an adult. What the heck happened in his world that caused him so much pain to want to cause so much pain? Right. That's when it struck. That's when I looked, because I always tell people, and this is how I see my world. Right. I look into your eyes and I see a one day old baby. And what wouldn't you do for that one-year-old baby? It Aww. didn't take the the experience away, but how I experienced the thought changed. Right. Right. So it didn't have the sting to it anymore. It had compassion. Right. There was forgiveness. And so but, do you look at everyone's of everyone like that now or do you look at everyone all the time? All the time. Mm-hmm. That was all. a really cute one year old. But you know the eyes never change. <laughs> they're the you know, they're your soul's expression. Right. So you want it. You want to know that person. You want to know who they are. You know, you know my pictures of being one year old were on Facebook, and I don't have them anywhere else. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh well. Must be a reason to let that go. <laughs> Must be a reason to let go. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, when when Scotty was missing, this is a this is a powerful story. When Scotty was missing, I thought the the knights in shining armor come. I thought the horses, the dogs, you know, the rescue dogs, whatever. Well, our our area didn't have any rescue dogs. And I didn't want anybody to experience what I experienced. And so I thought to myself, I'm going to find a way to help the canine unit at some point. Right. Well, by doing all these home births and stuff, I started, I just made the decision one time I was going to... Um, find a way to help so I started telling the clients if if they didn't want their placentas can I donate them to the search and rescue because placentas are clear clean you know tissue when you use a cadaver is what they usually use it's formaldehyde 
the average person does not smell like formaldehyde. So if you're looking for a live human being, you need live tissue, so or at least close to it. So I had seven frozen placentas in my freezer one day. So I called the DuPage County uh, canine unit, the director, and I told him, I've got these placentas. Do you want them? He was at my door in 30 minutes. Wow. So I was like, whoa. And he goes, I have all these puppies coming from Canada and across the U.S. to come and get certified, and they're going to be certified by me, but I don't have any tissue. Right. And he says, so I gave him the stuff. He signed off on them, and he called me two days later to tell me that all the puppies had passed, and thank you very much. And I said, well, why were all these puppies coming in the first place? And right. he said, because all the dogs from 9-11 are either dead or dying, and these puppies what? are going to replace them. Oh, my God. Yeah. So when oh. I think of my brother, I think of the dogs. The pu- If one of those puppies saves yeah. one life. It's worth it for you. It's worth it. It's worth it for anyone, yeah. Anyone. And so, um, so that was powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Because not only not only did that grief transform into saving another life, you grew from that. You yes. grew to become more compassionate from that. So absolutely. Yep. So yeah, I had just gotten a job at United Airlines um, right. when my brother. Uh, I, w- I think I was only there like six weeks or something, seven weeks. And early on in in my time with United was when I desi- designed the bag tag. They What's were, a bag tag? They are the peel and stick that you put on your suitcases when you're going to fly. You designed those? Yeah, I designed that. You, like <laughs> in, you? 19, in 1986. <laughs> Too funny. Because I wanted everybody to enjoy flying. It was, you know, when I went to go get a job, because I still had the four kids and stuff, I like, I want my flight benefits and I want insurance. That's yeah. when I went for it. And my job paid $4.25 an hour. It wasn't like it was, a, but it had those benefits. So when right? you designed those, did that make you extremely wealthy? No, the intellectual property is owned by the company you work for. Oh, we got a gym bag for that idea. You want to know how my gym bag's doing? Of <laughs> course. That's, so not no. That's not fair. But I have to tell you why I made the tag. Please so, do. Way back when, they were square, colored pieces of paper on a string. There was not even an airport code on the colored pieces of paper. So when they went through the conveyor belt, the paper would tear or the string would break or the bag handlers who were colorblind guessed at what color it was and they would ship them to what color they thought they saw. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why we were losing so many bags. Oh, my God. So it has energetically, all so the airlines. how did you figure that out? What? How did you figure that out? Yeah. Because, it was just a great because need. It's like it's like no one else figured it out. <laughs> well, I had been doing conferences. So I went to my, there was a, there was a, a, like a competition. Like, what do you think is the biggest problems going on in the industry? Well, I already knew there was a massive amount of lost baggage. Right. And so I went to my own personal printer 
and I, and I told him, I said, this is what we, you know, Mr. Martin, this is what we have going on. And All I right. need something that we can put on that won't be torn off as it goes through the conveyor belt, but we can remove it when we want to. And that's where this right. peel and stick came about. And then well, the, um, the barcode came from UPS. They designed the barcode and the computer system that would read on the scanners. But the actual tag is used on every airline around the world, save billions of dollars. That taught me something. Yeah, I'm sure it did. You know, an idea, if you have it with the right intention. With your company, then you can really (laughs) benefit from it yourself. That's what that story teaches me. (laughs) No. You know, so there is energetic money in the bank. It's coming my way. Right. Of course. You know? Of course. Of course, because you did it for humanity. Right. Right. I didn't. Spirit's got to give back. Yeah. And you can ask for tenfold blessing, you know? Because it was for the right reasons. It was right right intention. But it gave me confidence. That that was like a rock in it for the confidence issue. Right. Because they're like, holy cry. And so when people get their bags to the right location, that's like ching ching, slam dunk, yeah. ching ching. Yeah. You know, fireworks, yeah. the whole it's a party. Yeah. I hear you. Because every time, every time that happens, you're the reason that that's happening. Yeah. And, and spirit's got this. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's not amazing. Oh my God. Isn't it what fun? A what a beautiful, what a beautiful realization, and what a beautiful yeah. act of act of unconditional love that you. Yeah. Took part in there, right? Yep. Yeah. So. I know that they'll have a better trip and they'll have a better experience because nothing's going to mess it up worse than not getting your bags. Right. <laughs> no clothes or anything on the other side. But <laughs> yeah, So anyway, so those are, those are some of my experiences. But then um, I got very sick in 2003. What happened? Um, I became super allergic to everything. So um, what, what was happening before that? All of a sudden, I started having extreme... When I ate something cooked, I started having extreme blood pressure issues. 290 so like over had, 190. Did you move to another place or had something changed? Was, everything was the same? I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, I just started having these horrific reactions. I would... And then I go into anaphylactic shock. So I don't know what what is anaphylactic shock. Um, An anaphylactic shock is where your like your throat swells up. You start, you know, you're just the allergy reaction is so severe. Um, And uh, so Christmas 2002 Christmas, I was in the hospital. I had been in the hospital a number of times already, and I, I had been going back and forth in an ambulance. I knew the, the paramedics and the firemen. 
on a personal basis. <laughs> so, um, but the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And it no, was Chris. Them on a personal basis because of your doula work, or no, because of how many times I've been taken back and forth to the hospital. Because of. Because of the allergy reactions. Okay, so so this was one incident after having a bunch of allergy reactions, correct? Yeah, it just kept and going. We don't know what started them. No, don't know what started them, but something started them, and. It was severe because my blood pressure go 290 over 190. Wow. So that's a stroke. That's a heart attack. And I did, wasn't having strokes and heart attacks. But the reaction was so right. severe. And then I, they give me all, this, all these chemicals to try to bring it back down, you know. And yeah. I don't know. So eventually, anyways, I was in the hospital. And on Christmas Eve... The doctor was going to release me on Christmas Eve, and she goes, "You know what? There's, I, it just doesn't feel right. I'm not going to release you till tomorrow." So my family had left, and a few minutes later, the nurse came to draw my blood, and I went into cardiac arrest. Oh my God! And I was rushed into the intensive care, and I look out the window. And I was praying, God, don't take me. And looking out the window. Well, wait a minute. Uh, you went into cardiac arrest, but you're looking out the window? No, no. I was rushed into the intensive care unit. Okay. okay. So the crash the crash team had come, and then they okay. took me in. And um, and I could see my kids and my husband through the window what? in the parking lot. Okay. And they could see me. Okay. And I well, said a prayer, God, don't take me now. Um. Because my mom died when she was 50 and I was in my 20s. So I knew what that was going to be like. And so anyways, um, they finally got me stable. I was by myself. And I hear these words audibly in a deep, resolute voice. Coach at the cellular level. Now I'm looking around. There's nobody in that room but me. Coach. But I Coach at, at the cellular, the cellular level. level. Wow. I did not know what that meant. But it was loud, deep, and clear. It was a male voice. Male voice. Yeah. And it was, you know, like authoritative kind of voice. I've had that happen to me once and it was when I was on the on a on the streets and I don't know if I ever told you this story, but this voice says to me change lanes and it's a it's a male voice it's loud and i'm like looking all around to see where yeah. that voice was coming from right like huh and then again change lanes and again i'm looking around me where's that i thought somebody had gotten into my car or something or right, right? and then third time this was way louder and way change lanes and then and i'm still like in shock from hearing this voice right. all of a sudden all of a sudden my my hands start moving. My foot goes from 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 brake to gas. My indicator goes now, and I change lanes. But I didn't do any of those. Exactly, acts. exactly. And I didn't do any of those acts. And when when I was in the other lane, there was like a five car crash, like in the in the rain lane beside me. 
And like, I'm watching this and all I could think of as I'm driving by is like, why, why was I spared? Why did they have to go through this? Right. Because like, right. I'm seeing glass, I'm seeing blood. Right. And so I, 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 you know, I drove past the light and parked and then cried for, I don't know how long, because it was like, what the just yeah. happened. Right. Exactly. Because it was real. It was a divine moment. Yeah. So on January 4th, the hospital and the doctors released me from the hospital and they told me I wasn't going to make it. Mm. I was 79 pounds right. and, um, and they told me to get my paperwork in order and good luck. And so, so, nothing, so all that's happened so far is that voice has said to you, coach, coach at the cellular, cellular level, level. level. And and all and all that's happened is the the hospitals are telling you you're not going to make it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. And that's all you know. Those two. That's things. all I know. And so when they released me, I had no one to go to. I had nowhere to go, and I was terrified. I wish I and... knew you to call me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if I, yeah. <laughs> I know that now. <laughs> but so I believe the doctors. Right. And I had eight kids. My youngest was four and a half at the time. So I was grieving and I was only drinking water and I was reading my Bible and doing prayers. That's and I went 96 days that way. And I was thinking to myself, so what made you read the Bible? Were you a Bible reader before? I started a Bible study. A few years prior, after my mom died, is when I started. Um, so it, I was aware of it, but then I thought I don't I don't have any other place to go, right? right? I didn't I didn't know any any other practitioners, nothing. I had nowhere to go, so okay. I thought I got to get myself ready or something, and I thought I had to figure out what my last life lesson was for the kids, right? And on March 22nd, I told my kids, you have to go out and find someone to help. Because what I realized is that when really things got tough for me with all of those traumas, that what I did was I went and found other people to help. Right. And it... You tried it, to give your kids the same lesson that, that you went through when you were a child. Right. Okay. So the next day... I'm flipping through the radio stations and I never heard this radio station before and I hear a coach at the cellular level and a phone number <laughs> and I called it. That was all I heard. <laughs> and I, I call it and it's for an alternative health institute. Okay. <laughs> and it was $1,200 to talk to this guy for 30 minutes. Of course it was. And it was an unattainable amount of money at the time to me, you know, but my kids did a fundraiser. And so I got to go and I heard about foods with bioelectrical charge. I found out we're electrical, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I also found out that I was hyperacidic. Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> you know, yeah. well, I didn't, I didn't know that. Right. But Nobody. How did you, what do you mean you found out you were acidic? What, what percentage? I was hyper acidic. I was off the charts acid. Wow. And so, so then, 
because he did my blood workup. But guess what? The regular Western medicine didn't say. That would make sense of why my tests were so bad, the reactions were so bad, because the higher the acidity, the more I had these allergy reactions. Well, then learning about living food, foods with bioelectrical charge, and alkalinity, the more alkaline, the more electrical I became, more energetic I became, my allergies went down, blood pressure went away. I'm like, holy cry. And, you know, in these hospitals, you see these cardiac units with all these patients and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, really? When we could fix this with food? Wow. So, so like, the thing is, you could have just listened to that radio station say that and give up and say, I don't have the $1,200 and not move forward. Right. But you were somebody who somehow knew you had to do this. Yes. And, and found a way to do it. Right. But it could very well been that you not had done that. Yes. And that would have been the end of me. Right. Right. But I really felt that that was a divine message for me. Right. Well, of course it was. You know, and so I'm very grateful. I was a patient. I was a patient first, and then I became an instructor for six and a half years at this institute. Wow. And uh, people would would come up to me, and I I tell them, you know, don't be afraid. It's okay. We'll get you through it. So I started having classes, and so I I learned about um, the foods with bio- creation therapy. That's really what it is. Creation therapy with life what force is, energy. What is it? Creation therapy. Creation therapy. Can you elaborate a little bit on what that is? Yeah. So in the Bible, we are given the seeds as right. as food, right? But Mana. when, yeah. So when exactly, <laughs> when you soak those seeds, yeah, there's enzyme inhibitors that protect each seed, right? Right. And those enzyme inhibitors are not healthy for you or me or anyone. But when you have the perfect environment to help that seed uh, melt away the enzyme inhibitors, and within uh, 12 hours, they start doing cellular division. They have life force energy in them. They're transmitting a frequency. And that frequency matches the same frequency and vibration of the newborn stem cell that your body just created. When you take these seeds that have life force energy, their intention is to become a full and healthy plant, right? Right. They have an antiviral, anti-cancer, antibacterial sheathing around the germ of the seed. Right. And when you soak, so I have have seed milk in 168 countries, and I've taught this because I I learned about foods with bioelectrical charge. And when you put these four seeds together in a specific way and you whip it and you liquefy it within seconds, you separate the liquid from the pulp. Now, when you drink the liquid, you're getting the full electrical life force energy charge. Wow. For every cell. Wow. And when the cell needs a dry state space, 
in there the sodium and the potassium create electrical generator it's like so when you do a live blood cell and you right. look on a black field you will actually see the light inside of your cells wow. so when you see somebody who's really illuminated right and you say god you're just glowing well it's true because those seeds or that cell i mean has life force in it and right. each individual cell has right. memory right and has life right so and so and so the key is to bring that cell back to life. Now, you were talking about enzyme inhibitors. Now, there's all right. these enzyme supplements that people take. Um, are those beneficial to people? Those or? are those are beneficial because those are not the inhibitors. The inhibitors are there to protect the seed from, from, you know, bacteria or other right. agents, right? So right. you so you never soak seeds together. You soak okay. them separately because they're poisonous to each other. Oh, okay. Wow. They're also poisonous to us. Okay. So you want to soak seeds, nuts. So in the United States, for example. But even nuts should be soaked separately, never together. Right. Wow. And nuts are, in the United States, are acid vat cracked. They put them in piles and piles and piles in vats of acid. Oh my God! To weaken and loosen the shell. Wow! So they're acid, aciditic, infused. And so, if you tasted a fresh raw cashew, okay, it would taste like a vanilla wafer, and it's very powdery. Right. Almost like a powdered sugar experience. Right. But the cashews we get. Because they've been opened up, we're using a technique of using acid, right. and then they're s steamed, they're hard. They're not sweet and light and airy. Oh. So, uh, so you need to soak them, but more, more, the more important piece of this puzzle is, is when you soak seeds or nuts and they start to germinate. Right. They have life force. So if you're walking up to an apple tree and the apple is still connected, it has a bioelectrical charge. Right. If you take it off the tree, it has raw enzymes. Okay. But it no longer has electricity. Right. Our hearts are 90 millivolts of electricity. So are we supposed to be eating these apples while they're on the tree? Well, <laughs> The point, the point is, it's just, it just, it's an awakening more moment to right. think, to be consciously aware that we were gifted these for a reason. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But no one's taught us that, holy cry, you know, dead food makes dead people. So was evil, so was Eve's sin really pulling it off the tree, not biting into it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't know. But I do know that I have saved lots of lives by sharing what I've learned. Paid $100,000 over the period of time. Um, and continued, and I've been teaching what I've learned ever since.
So I have one of the things that I have coming up on April 15th is I'm going to do a five day um, jumpstart your health challenge. So anybody can come because I decided, okay, like anybody else. Tell us us about it. What? Tell us about it. Tell us about it. So I'm really excited. Okay. As you know, life. Yes, it's going to be on Facebook. I have okay. a I have a Facebook group called Jumpstart Your Health. Okay, so I gotta add you because I don't have you because I don't have Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and anybody can join us, okay. and I'm really excited about it because um, I've got a lot to share. I like I've got boxes of stuff to share, but of course, it's, but we're gonna be addressing inflammation. Inflammation okay. is the heat, right? That causes a lot of discomfort and so we'll be talking about inflammation how does it show up and how can we take care of it and so we within those five days I'll give a lot of tips that people can take home that day utilize it implement it um, and start to shift yep and they'll start seeing results and then I'm going to do a 12-week program after that so um so as you know, I'm a mother of eight, grandmother of 17, yes. and life has, life has happened. Um, yeah. And so I need to do it. And since I'm doing it for myself, I thought, you know what? I'm not the only one, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach. I'm going to go back to teaching and share. idea. Because people need it, and it saves lives. And it saves lives. Yeah, so anyway, so that's that's what I'm excited about. You mentioned, so you mentioned frequency. Yep. So yep. I'm going to take you back there for a second because not everybody knows the effect of frequency. Because, oh. Right? And, and so right. can you speak a little bit about the basics of frequency? Anything? Well, there's a resonating. You want, you want the harmonics or you want the resonating tone that causes a more harmonious alignment. So when, for example, when you take a brand new baby seed, right, and you, it starts to germinate, and we build all these brand new baby cells, stem cells yeah. every day, right. Right. what this little guy does is he opens up his mouth, he nurses, he burps, he poops, he goes to sleep, and then he's given the directive of where he needs to go and what he needs to repair. These two match. They identify with each other. And when you identify with each other, they then cause something better. Right. That communication causes something better. That communication causes... That recognition, because it recognizes itself. Yes. Yeah. And, And... with the right intention, right? Right. Because you could cause harm or you can cause good. And it's in your intention of what you right. want to be. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so the, uh, the intention, so you, so you would write the word love on the bottle that you're soaking your seeds in each Absolutely. one. Yeah. Because as we know from Dr. Yamoto. Yeah. Messages and water messages in water and we highlight that we we you know you intend to make that love resonate through you in the seeds that you're germinating Mm -hmm. 
And if you have dis-ease, that means there's lack of love there. Yeah. In fact, I interviewed someone who went to, do you know who Ramtha is? Mm-mm. Or Jay-Z Knight? She was, a Chandler. she was a Chandler. She was a housewife and she was a Chandler. And she channeled this um, warrior male through her. So, you know, um, he was saying how, or he was watching her, t- um, the warrior in her tell somebody, because they were going through all this pain and they've tried everything and, have you try- and they've tried this and I've tried that and I've tried this and I've tried. And the warrior voice says, have you tried loving yet? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That actually is part of the healing process. Absolutely. So, so when I was sick, um, I had to start to imagine, I told every cell in my body from my toes to my nose that yeah. I love you. Yeah. All the, all the parts, the good, the bad, the ugly, right? But what happens is that you have gratitude. Right. And what does that do? It resonates with your higher f- frequencies. Well, it recognizes it. So when it yeah. recognizes it, it, it's like, hey, I know this. I know this, this being or this person. This is me. And now right. there's a communication happening versus that fear, doubt, reality right. person who it doesn't recognize because it's not that, right? Right. Or unwilling to receive. That's a big problem. A lot of people, you know, yeah. they've been hurt. So, you know, they harden their heart and they go, you know, I'm not going to. But I remember um, how weak I was. Like, they had to carry me into the Institute. I wore a size 10 little girl's pants. That's how skinny I was, how tiny I was. Wow. Wow. Um, I was just skin bone what muscle tissue wasn't really there the muscle tissue was it something they did in the hospital or i just got so sick and i just you know you you just start to degenerate um right right? because i couldn't eat so when it comes to the hospital and delivering in a hospital versus delivering with a midwife or a doula what advice do you have for people? Why would they choose one or the, over the other? Or so, if? so when I'm, as, a, as an informed consumer, you're going through the benefits and risks. Right. Now, um, and, and what your ultimate goal is, what your comfort zone is. So, and then prenatally, you're going through, you're getting assessed on whether you're so a well a healthy woman who who's stayed healthy throughout the whole pregnancy it's very easy most women 98 percent of the women who walk through the door of the hospital normal everyday healthy woman the ob floor is controlled by the anesthesiology department they right. become a future surgical patient. Okay. That thought process is there. The intervention is there. You have higher risks, especially if you're a teaching hospital where they they have to have patients to practice on. Right. So the anesthesiology department is really proud at like at Northwestern 
on how every anesthesiology student gets an opportunity to give 8 to 12 epidurals per shift. Oh, my God. And they pride themselves over that. Did the mom need it? Probably not. Water, if you put a mom in the water, it decreases her discomfort by 80%. Wow. If she's buoyant in the tub, she doesn't have the extra gravity pushing and weighing her down. She has the warm water that would soothe, right? Or in the shower, it acts like a TENS machine um, where you're getting overstimulated, helps your body relax. So are we trying to, so are we saying that advanced technology isn't really advanced? We have extremely poor outcome ratio compared to other parts of the world. Right. We were down into the 50s. Now, if we're that great, we would not be in. So the countries where they have midwives calling the shots under midwifery right. care, right. they have the best outcomes. Right. Because they're not, a surgeon is trained to do surgery. If they're not doing surgery, they're not practicing their art form. Right. Wow. So they're not making money. Right. And every package you open in the hospital is a ching-ching. Now, it's interesting when moms will be in labor and they'll go to the hospital, their labor will stop. Well, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, they're in a new environment, and in order for that baby to be protected, she has to build up immunities to things that she's just been exposed to. Right. So so when she goes to nursing... For doing its part to right to recalibrate basically yes yes wow is that be- amazing yeah and so moms will moms labor will stop but then the hospital's like well you're here to have a baby so we have to get on with it so then that you come to the pitocin and epidurals and and the heart rate will drop with the epidural every time right. and then the heart rate will go down so much and then they'll say Phew, take you to this surgery and we just saved your baby wow it's it's crazy but by empowering a mom to be an informed consumer if she chooses to be at the hospital she has more she's more has more choice if she knows who to call what hospital and why so a lot of people just choose a hospital and they don't know why they're choosing that hospital or the outcome. So I tell my moms to call in the middle of the night and ask the nurses if they have a minute and tell them you're doing, I'm, you know, doing some consumerism and I'd like to know, you know, what the C-section rate is. Who would you recommend as a doctor to to it? You know, who is the less interventionist? Because you can always cut, but don't rush it. Right. If there's a reason for it, absolutely. Because I I had um, so just, you know, so I had a frank breach, broken tailbone twice, home birth. Then my next two children, because of presentation, were C-sections. And then the next two were home births. Okay. So I've had a variety of experiences. 
So I've had two VBACs at so home. You, so then that means you, you're equipped with the knowledge of both sides to be able to present the information of both sides. Right. And spirit puts you in that position, so you would be. Yeah, right. Because they always do. <laughs> yeah. So usually when I'm called to a birth now, because, um, you know, it's not necessarily for the birth work as much it is for there's a spiritual journey going on. There's, you know, mothering, nurturing that needs to be done. So many Mother, other. I want to I like have a baby just so you, I could go through this process with you now. <laughs> yeah, because it's really, it's really special. I have to say it's, it's really special. And it's just, just to, you know, it's, it's an amazing feeling to leave a home when you know a miracle just happened and nobody right. else knows about it. So you must have had some amazing aha moments or experiences while you were in these experiences with these mm -hmm. children being born, yeah. spiritual uh, yeah. Their souls are aha moments. Their, their, soul, their, their souls are showing up. So, okay. Just the other day, just the other day, my daughter was at a birth, and um, and this little guy came super fast. So he was <laughs> bruised on his face pretty bad, but his Aww. oxygen level was low. And there's a friend of mine, and she's an intuitive too, and I said, you know, so anyway, she goes, <laughs> she says, he's still trying to figure out if he really wants to be here. He didn't yeah, quite sign up for this program. <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't quite what he thought so he was gonna. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, like I just came from, you know, source, and now I'm here. And, anyways, it, it was really cute. And the and the other day when I was in Indianapolis, I told you that baby. I was talking to Barb, and she goes, "Yeah, she's swimming the other direction. She has no intention of coming out." <laughs> and I go, but I've been here 10 days. <laughs> Could you please have a conversation with her, please? <laughs> and she ended up delivering later that day. But, you know, it's just but fun. Show that nobody wants to come back. Almost. You know, I think. Oh, why did I say come back? That means that that uh, implies reincarnation. So that subconsciously I'm implying reincarnation. <laughs> I think one of the things is, is that we know we made an agreement, but we didn't know what it was going to be completely, what that full experience was going to be. Right. And let's and face question, it. Why did we make an agreement in the first place? Mm -hmm. Or was it really an agreement or was it something that everyone's, I don't like using the word force, but. Right. But I think we have choice. Because I know, the reason I know we have choice, and I'm going to share this experience with you. So my dad, he was, he had gotten sick, and I knew his cardiac was wearing down and all the other stuff. And I was terrified to have him pass on my watch. So ultimately, he ended up with this stroke, and I was rubbing his back, and we were going to go to the hospital. And he goes, will you cut that out? Because I can feel it. Because what I was saying is, I love you. I love you. And right. I was doing it over his heart and on, through his back. And he said, I can feel that. So anyways, we get to the hospital. And he doesn't want heroics. And they want me to take him home on Sunday. 
with morphine. I said, I'm not going home with morphine without hospice, you know, supervision. And that no way, I'm smarter than that. (laughs) So anyways, so he's, so anyways, in his season of passing, I have a friend who's an opera singer and she's singing to him for four hours. And then she goes, okay, I have to go to the bathroom. So I got to go now. (laughs) So at midnight she hangs up and I knew he was, you know, fluid was building up around his heart. He was having a harder time breathing. And anyways, his breath was getting really far out there, like really far out there. So I got really close up to him like this. And he opens up his eyes and he goes, can't you see somebody's trying to die around here? (laughs) (laughs) So I knew that that was a gift for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty certain. I'm pretty certain that they know when they're going to go. And if they don't want to go, they don't have to go. And just based on the interviews I've done, based on my own grandparents, how they left, I'm definitely convinced that they know. And, you know, near-death experiencers do have a choice, right? Right. And and they choose to come back to serve most of them, right? Yeah. They know that they've got something to do and for whatever that is to do. Yeah. And... um, and sometimes, you know, uh, when we ask for some things, you know, you've had friends or you've known people who have, you know, prayed, don't don't let this one go. Right. And sometimes they've gotten their wish and they realize that that they, you know, felt like they imploded too much of their own right. need into the situation. And right. so, but I think... I have been very blessed with the rainbow of emotions that have gone with my life. Absolutely. Yeah. And and it is a gift because each time you have an emotion, you're alive. Wow. So, Carol, what else are you doing right now other than this course that you're going to run in the next few weeks? Do you want to share anything else? Um. Well, one of the things that I, I'm doing is, um, as a master connector, as you know, I match people up with resources, people, contacts to help them with their business. And we're working on global eco-cities with sustainable products and services that will see serve millions wow. and feed millions and... Um, and take hardship away. Wow. So I, that's on a private, you know, that's in the private world. Right. But I get to do that. I get to participate. And I meet wonderful people who have ingenious ideas that have intention in the heart to serve many. And they just need to, you know, to pick up the dots. So... That's one of the things I'm good at as a strategist of who to connect and when. Yeah. And they won't, don't necessarily know why I've chosen them. They're like they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to catch up to my thought yeah. process. Right. But there's a geniusness behind it because if they the two get together or the four get together, whatever, and they build the friendship that, uh, the that class, love class. glue. That's when it unfolds. Yep. 
it has to be unconditional. That friendship has to be unconditional for, for it to, to go and flower yeah. into the next level. Otherwise, it just won't. Yeah. And if there's so, so much ego, yeah. you know, and it, when you're doing something big, like, we, you know, I have the foundation, the Fiji Foundation. When you're yeah. doing something so big, you can't claim it as yours. No, you can't. And that's the beauty of it, because your ego can't get in the way. Right. It just, sorry, you know, and it's not your bank account. It's God's bank account. It's not your vision. It's God's vision. Right. And we get the privilege to participate in the creation of that as a co-creator. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Carol... I've exhausted my questions. I had a lot of fun too asking you questions. Um, I, well, I hope this. I hope people enjoy our friendship, and yes. and want to continue building friendships with us. Yay! I'm that works. Too. Um, yeah. If you want to befriend us, you know where to find us. And yeah. um, thank you again. I'm really honored to have interviewed oh. you, my new friend. Thank you so much. Thank we're you, we're old friends from the spirit world. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's not say old. Let's say I don't know any other Okay, words. cellular friends. <laughs> cellular friends. I like that. Cellular friends. And <laughs> I love you. Thank love you so you. much. Thank you always.